0: So I want to start off by asking you a question, when was the last time that you, if you're married, or if you live in a family context, or if you live in a, whatever, you've got a flatmate or a roommate or whatever, when was the last time that you spoke to your husband or your wife or your mother or your brother or your sister or whoever, when was the last time that you spoke to them? Maybe just like a couple of minutes ago? Or maybe you had one of those weekend fights if you're married. You know them. They start on Thursday evening and they end somewhere on the Sunday. (laughs) So maybe you didn't speak to your significant other for the whole weekend. Or, well, you spoke, but it wasn't really conversation. (laughs) But can you still remember what they sound like? I'm sure you can. You can. If you've got kids, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can recognize your child's voice over 50 other kids. It's just something that we do. And so the first question that we're going to try to answer as we speak about the gifts of God's Spirit in your life, and the reason why today is so difficult is because I have to give sort of an introduction to the whole series. I can't just jump into the gifts, right, because otherwise we don't understand what we're doing. The first question I'll be trying to answer is, can he still speak? Can God still speak? Because I don't know about you, but I've experienced this myself. Maybe you've heard people say, you know, I was driving somewhere and God spoke to me. And this happens to many, many, if not most, followers of Jesus. That somewhere in the back of your mind you think, well, I wish that would happen to me. Have you felt like that? I wish God would speak to me. How does, what does he sound like? Have you felt that? And and when people say that, and listen, they say it, Um, not out of any malicious intent or anything, but usually people start feeling insignificant and inferior because I haven't heard God speak to me in that way. God didn't appear on the passenger seat and said, hey, (laughs) maybe grateful that he doesn't appear on my passenger seat because I might just ride off the car (laughs) if that happens. But have you ever felt that, that, People apparently hear God speak, and, and they just have this connection to God, and it sometimes makes you feel inferior. It makes you feel like, well, I haven't, I haven't heard him. I don't know what he sounds like. I, I read about God speaking in Scripture, and I, I hear people saying God speaks, but I don't know if he speaks to me. Have you felt that? I think most of us have. I think most of us have had that feeling that, well, you know, and, and the, the times that you do sense him speaking, you're not really sure is it God or is it my own mind? Is it, I don't know. And so today we're going to discuss three gifts what is called the inspirational gifts. And if you've got your Bible with you, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I don't have the full scripture on the screens today, but here's what I want to encourage you. I'll remind you at the end again. As we go through the couple of weeks discussing the gifts of the Spirit, I want you to go read during the next couple of weeks, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, three chapters, but try to get it out of your mind that you are going to another chapter. Ign- ignore the chapter numbers. See it as one big message. Because that's what we often do. We read a portion, and then we think, okay, this portion is about this. But actually, it's caught up in a whole big thing that we will sort of just touch on today. Now, a couple of things before we get to 1 Corinthians 12. The first thing that I want to tell you today before we get into those gifts is that the Holy Spirit, when we talk about Him It is often very confusing. But it is crucial that we understand this. The Holy Spirit is not some object. It's not a thing. When we speak about the Holy Spirit, we talk about the third person in the Godhead, the third person in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus is. Different function, still God. And the reason why this is important is because sometimes we think when you talk about the spirit, we we talk about an object. We talk about something instead of someone. And it's crucial to understand this because... If you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is here, it's not something that was just relegated to Scripture. And now the Holy Spirit stopped working because we live in a modern time. And you know, all the things we read about Scripture, well, that was just for that time. The Holy Spirit is active and working now in your life. And the reason why it's important. It's interesting that very few people think about this. So just walk with me logically. Where is God? Where does he find himself? I'm not talking about the Godhead, the Trinity. I'm talking about God the Father. Where does he find himself according to Scripture? In heaven. The Bible's clear about that. He is seated on the throne in heaven. God the Creator, God the Father is in heaven. Where is Jesus at the moment? In heaven heaven. The Bible says he ascended to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father, which creates a massive problem if you don't believe in the working of God's Spirit, because then you're alone. But Jesus said, It's better for me to go away because if I don't go away, my Father won't send you the Holy Spirit. So who's with us at the moment? The Spirit of God. See, it's the Spirit of God that lives among us, in us, through us, that animates us, that gives us power, that gives us the ability to do more than we, what we can do on our own. And maybe you've experienced this, is that there needs to be another level in your life, another level of functioning in your relationship with God. Maybe you've reached a certain level, and you've sort of stagnated, and you sense, but there must be more. Well, this is the only way that you get more is if you allow more of the Spirit of God inside of your life. And this is the first thing I want to bring to your attention before we get to 1 Corinthians 12 is that God actually wants to give you his Spirit. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is speaking. From verse 11 to 13, and he says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, so we read the verses up until there, and then suddenly somewhere in the translation something got missing when we talk to people. Because usually when people quote this verse, they say something in the line of, how much more will your heavenly Father give you good things to those who ask him? I've heard that many times. People say, no, the Bible says God will give you good things. It doesn't say good things. It says, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask it of Him? So, so when, when Jesus talks here, He's saying, listen, you are bad people, but even you know how to give. So how much more will a good Father, a good God, not be able to give you the best that He has? And what He has is His Spirit. He wants to give you his spirit. He wants to reside within you. He wants to be with you. And because of the spirit that God gives to you, God empowers you by means of gifts. And so we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so... I'm going to skip through a few verses, so I'm just going to read sparsely in there. I'll tell you where I am. But if you're reading 1 Corinthians 12, we can start with verse 1, and it says the following. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. Now, just hold on there for a moment. Paul is writing to a congregation with a specific intention of teaching them regarding a question that they had. And this was their question. What about the spiritual gifts? And maybe you've asked that quen- question unintentionally. Maybe you've wondered about it. But so this is what Paul is saying. I, I am gonna teach you about the spiritual gifts now. And then he adds this. I don't want you to misunderstand this. Other translations say, I don't want you to be uneducated regarding this. I want you to know what's going on. I, I don't want you to just dismiss Things out of hand. Because this is what we do with things that are unknown. Isn't that true? You experience something that's unknown to you, it's unfamiliar, and immediately we categorize it. Very few of us just embrace new things. It doesn't matter how liberal you think you are, most of us have certain set ideas about things. And so, very often, when people encounter the Holy Spirit, for the first time, and they don't understand the working, they either just leave it, they ignore it, or they put it in a box that says, oh, don't go there. That's weird. And so hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you will come to realize that the Holy Spirit is not weird when you understand what Scripture teaches. People are weird sometimes. So he says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Then we're jumping to verse four, if you're following along. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. He says, listen, there's a unity that God's spirit brings, even though there's many different uh, ministries and things that happen around us. There's a unity. It's one spirit. It's one God that animates us and does these things through us. And then he gets to verse seven, which says the following, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. If you want to know what the purpose of the gifts of God's spirit is, it is primarily to encourage fellow believers. This is what he's saying. It's given, uh, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It is primarily there for the encouragement of other believers and secondly as a sign to unbelievers. That is the two primary reasons why you have gifts. Gifts are not to be monetized. And many people do this. They have received a special ability or a gift from God, and they start monetizing this, starting to make money, starting to make a name for themselves. That is not what should be happening. The gifts are there to serve the body, and God has given each of us, just say to someone next to you, each of us, just say to yourself, I have a gift. You have a gift. You have a measure of God's spirit inside of you. But Maybe you've relegated that to some area in your life and think, well, maybe not for me. Maybe I'm not as holy as other people. But that's what scripture says, hey, he's given to each of us a spiritual gift. He's given you something of his spirit so that, one, you can encourage fellow believers. That's why I'm encouraging you to go read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 12 is about. It starts off with about the gifts that we're reading right now. Then he goes over immediately into this thing that says, hey, we're part of a body. Don't think that these gifts work in isolation. You're part of something bigger. And then he goes on to say, well, I've taught you about the gifts, but let me show you something that's even better than the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, love, love one another, because it doesn't matter if you have the gifts and you can prophesy if you don't love one another. That's what he's saying. And then he starts off chapter 14 by saying, listen, pursue love, but don't forget the gifts. Got this whole thing wrapped up in three chapters, and sometimes we only read one verse and we think we've got the truth. I'm encouraging you to go read the rest. So, the primary reason for the gifts is to encourage one another, and secondly, as a sign to those who don't believe. And so, we get to the three that we're quickly going to discuss today. And as, I'm, as I've said, this is really quick, all right. So, if, if I'm talking about a gift, I'm really, really only barely just scratching the surface of what this gift is and what it does and how it functions. I'm really not actually getting into it. And so um, I, I really trust that you'll go maybe make a study of this and maybe someday we'll do a Bible school on these and uh, and really get into the detail of it. But um, we're going to jump to verse 10, where he says, he gave each he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another to, to the ability to prophesy. That's the first one we're going to talk about, prophesy. And he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And then the second one, still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. While another, the third one, is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So we're going to talk about those three that are called the inspirational gifts The gifts of speaking, they they come from your mouth. So each of these three gifts come from your own mouth. It's birthed by the Spirit in your heart, and it comes from your mouth. They have to do with speaking, and they have to do with inspiration. And the first one we get is prophecy. Now, firstly, I have to tell you very quickly what prophecy is not. Prophecy is not fortune-telling. It is not predicting the future. Many people think that that is prophecy. So you go to someone and hope for a prophetic word and what, what you're actually hoping for is someone will tell you the lotto numbers. You know, That's not prophecy. That's fortune telling. And God is very outspoken in the Old Testament about fortune telling. There was an evil king called Manasseh that went to consult fortune tellers and God was extremely angry at this guy. Prophecy is not predicting your future. Prophecy, in fact, might contain ideas about the future, but it is simply an invitation that God puts to you and says, Hey, I've got plans for you. Would you mind living your life in this way so that you could get there? You still have a choice. God doesn't take you by the ear and force you in a certain direction. If God did, I think we'd have a lot more packed out churches every Sunday. He would just tell you, wake up, let's go. You won't have a choice. You just walk in here, okay, I'm here. You still have a choice. And so prophecy is not fortune telling. And prophecy is, as some people would like to say, not the ability to preach. It's not the ability to communicate well. It is a supernatural gift that God imparts that allows you to speak from the heart of God for a very specific purpose. Now, it's it's important to understand that the word prophecy, it means to speak on behalf of. There are other interpretations as well, but it it pretty much means to speak for another. So when we say prophecy, it is not just simply saying, hey, Etienne, you've got such a nice shirt today. And then we can say, oh, I prophesied to Etienne. That was just me. Prophecy inherently means that God's spirit has put something inside of you and you're speaking on behalf of God. And there is a specific purpose to prophecy in the New Testament. So it's not predicting the future. It's not oratorical ability. There is a specific purpose to prophecy. And we find that in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, and it says the following, but he that prophesies speaks unto men, and then he uses three words. I'm reading from the old King James Version. To edification, exhortation, and comfort. This is what Paul says. When you prophesy, you are speaking into someone's life to build them up, to comfort them, to hold them, to motivate them. And so if we read Scripture in this way, we can pretty much safely say that if anybody comes to you with a word that destroys you, you can be pretty sure it might not be from God. Because this is what Scripture teaches, is when you prophesy, you build the congregation up. That's what you experienced right now when Johan gave a word to Ami. Does that word guarantee that she will do great things for God? No, it doesn't. But it is an invitation. And I trust it encouraged you today It built her up. That's how it functions. And so sometimes we confuse prophecy for fortune telling. But you know that when you start functioning in the prophetic and you allow God's spirit to speak to you, you might stand in worship and just say, hey, I need to just go say something to Mark. And maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Encouragement. But it might be the spirit of prophecy working through you. So that's just in a nutshell the prophetic. I do have one thing that I want to say. And this is a small little caveat that the Bible throws in in 1 Thessalonians. And this is often a scripture that is wrongly interpreted or wrongly applied. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 to 21. Listen to what he says. Paul is the same, same author writing to a different church saying, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't keep the Holy Spirit somewhere in a closet and say, Well, it's not for us. God wants to work through you. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Next verse, verse 20. Do not scoff at prophecies. Don't say, Pfft, oh, oh, whatever. And then verse 21. And this is not a new sentence. Do not scoff at prophecies, comma. So what's he talking about? The working of the Holy Spirit in the form of prophecy. Verse 21, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. So when someone comes to you and uses this scripture to justify bad behavior, they're using it completely wrong. But this is what we have to do. Do not believe every single person that comes to you with a prophetic word. You have the responsibility and the right to weigh it, to pray about it, and say, Lord, what of this is from you? And what is isn't?" Because remember, we're still human. We speak because we sense something. We don't have God writing a text message to us and we just read it. You still interpret things. And so when someone comes and speaks something over your life, you need to weigh it. It doesn't matter how much you respect that person. It doesn't matter how much authority that person carries. When someone speaks a prophetic word over your life, you need to pray about it. You need to weigh it. And you need to keep what you believe God is saying to you. All right? Second one, the gifts of speaking in tongues. And this is usually one of the first ones that people make contact with when it comes to Pentecostal or charismatic churches, and this is usually the one that people go like, oh, okay, these people are weird, all right. Because you might have come from a different church background, a different tradition, and you enjoy this Pentecostal thing and you enjoy the drums and the music and the light. You think this is so much fun. It's, you know, it's fun. And then somebody next to you says, Karasabanda and Segunda. And you're like, oh my, what? what's a Karasabanda bar? You know, you're like, these people are weird. <laughs> and that is, That is usually what I've experienced the place where people say, Oh, I don't want anything to do with the the weird stuff. All right. So, we're going to talk about that because this is scriptural. It hasn't disappeared, it is still part of the church. But it is a gift that God gives. And there are various ways in which to use it. The reason why people are offended is because sometimes we use a spanner when we should use a screwdriver. There are places to use the gifts and ways in which to use them. And so when we talk about the gift of tongues, firstly, what it is not, it is not the ability to learn foreign languages. All right, it's not, oh, I can speak German, so I've got the gift of tongues. No, No, no. This is, by definition, a language that you speak, so once again, it is a vocal miracle, a vocal thing that comes from your mouth where you don't understand what you are saying. Paul says your mind is unfruitful. You don't know what you're saying. And so the first way to use this is what I'd like to call a prayer language. God gives to you for the main primary purpose to edify, build yourself up. And that's what Paul says. Paul says in Corinthians 14, he says, I thank the Lord that I pray in tongues more than all of you. So it's not something that Paul said, well, I don't do this. He did this, but it is primarily to strengthen yourself and build yourself. That is your prayer language. And so when you pray that, Bible teaches Paul writes, he says, your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit prays to God. Romans 8, he says, it prays you to pray It helps you to pray the right thing, the the will of God. So those are the two primary reasons why you would pray in tongues on your own. But then Paul is really clear about this. Because this gift works with the third one that we're talking about. So the one side of praying in tongues is building yourself up, and that's a private conversation between you and God And you are strengthening yourself and you're praying in the Spirit and you understand that you don't know really what you're saying. But the second way in which this gift manifests is when you pray, people understand in one of two ways. And the first way that they understand, and this is what happened in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God was poured out. The people around the apostles said, how is it that these Galileans all speak our language? We understand that. So sometimes God would give you a miraculous gift to pray in a language, an earthly language, that people understand that you don't know you could speak. And you won't understand it either, probably. So you might sense God bubbling something up in your spirit and you start praying in a language and afterwards someone comes to you and says, I didn't know you speak Russian. You're like, oh, I don't. <laughs> And I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen to people where they think they are simply praying in a tongue and people recognize the language. That is a God-breathed gift. But the second way in which people understand, and once again, the purpose of that gift is to build and strengthen and comfort the people of God. And secondly, as a sign to unbelievers. But the second way in that which the gift of tongues manifests that people could understand is in unison with the third gift that we're talking about, and that is the interpretation of tongues. When these two work together. So Paul says the following He says, Listen, when I speak in a tongue, it is of no benefit to you. So when I come to the church, I'd rather speak five words with my intellect. In other words, he's saying, I'd rather say five words that you can understand because that would build you up than a thousand words in an unknown tongue because that doesn't mean anything to you. So Paul is saying, hey, there's, there's ways in which to use this. But then he goes on and he says, okay, so if someone speaks in a different language in church, when we're gathered here, it should Go hand in hand with a third gift, which is the interpretation of gifts, where God gives the interpretation to someone. Now, I have to say this. It is not a translation. There's a difference between a translation and an interpretation, okay? So sometimes you would find, and if you were in church in the first service about four weeks ago, we had the manifestation of this gift in church where a lady actually broke out an unknown language, and I was standing on stage and saying, Lord, you need to bring the interpretation now. And then fortunately, God gave her the interpretation as well. And sometimes you would hear the person speak in an unknown language for a long period, and the interpretation would be short. And that's because it's not a translation. It's not literally that you get every word. You get an image and an imprint in your spirit that God puts there, and you can speak that in Afrikaans or English or whatever language you speak. And That's the way that the interpretation of tongues work. It is a gift from God that works in conjunction with the gift of tongues when it is publicly proclaimed. So Paul, he carries on about this and he says, "Hey, when you when you come together, know when to use these two. If it's your prayer language and you're just praying by yourself and strengthening yourself, and others, just you know maybe keep it quiet or keep it private." Know strengthen yourself when you get to the gathering, and you speak in a tongue. Better make sure that someone interprets, because otherwise it's of no use. And what Paul does, he places the interpretation of tongues on the same level of prophecy. He says this in Corinthians 14. He says that he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in a tongue, because it benefits the con- the congregation, unless someone interprets. So he places prophecy and interpretation of tongues on the same level, which means both of these serve the same purpose, is to build up and strengthen and comfort the congregation. It all functions in the body. And secondly, to be a witness to those who do not believe. And I want to end off today. As I said, I've just scratched the surface. I hope it stirred something in you. Because we started off by saying, can God still speak? Does he still speak? Well, yes, he does. But very often we don't recognize his voice because we have allowed the, the strange things and things that we don't understand about the spirit to sort of impact our hearts and we've just put it away. And then we wait for God to speak. We wait for the voice out of heaven to speak. But God speaks through his people. God speaks through his people. And so very often the voice of God in your life might be someone prophesying, might be someone speaking in a tongue and interpreting that in your life. Very often, And we'll get to those gifts as well. It might be someone functioning in the gift of the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. God speaks to this day, but he speaks through his people. And if you allow yourself to welcome the Holy Spirit in your life and say, Lord, I want your spirit, because this is what Jesus said, Luke 11, what we read, how much more will a good father not give his spirit to those who want it. And this is the key thing. If you want more of the Spirit in your life, you need to desire it. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this. So remember, you just came out of 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love. And he starts off, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy desire is there still a desire in your heart for God to use you to work through you to have his spirit move inside of you to hear him speak to you because he still speaks he is still working as we approach Pentecost and the celebration of the fact that he poured out his spirit, we also celebrate the fact that it wasn't a one-time event. God is still pouring out his spirit in his people to this very day. God is still prophesying. God is still giving words of wisdom and words of knowledge and still healing people and still doing miracles. God is still the same God working in and through us. But do you still desire his spirit to work or are you simply trying to be morally good it's not your morality that will get you into heaven it is faith in Jesus and the moment that you experience that truth and you stand in front of God and you'll realize you won't be able to do what he's called you to do without his spirit You would desire that. His power dwelling inside of you. So this week, I'd like you to do a couple of things. I'd like you to go read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Just read it slowly. Try to read it every day if you can. Just allow God to speak to you regarding this work of His Spirit in your life. And then secondly, maybe you're longing for this, but you haven't really created the desire in your heart to really want the gifts of God's Spirit manifesting in your life. Maybe this can be a week that you say, Lord, I want your Spirit to work in my life, to create that desire, because He wants to give His Spirit to you. And that's my prayer for you this week. And for the next couple of weeks, that His Spirit will, will manifest in your life. That you'll experience that He edifies and exhorts and comforts people around you. That you will be able to witness to others about the goodness and the faith and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, not because you have some tract in your hand and you feel obliged to invite someone to church, but simply because the Holy Spirit in and through you proves that God lives. And we're going to talk about this. I mean, it's not only for church. There are many practical ways in which God's Spirit helps you every single day in your marriage, with your children, in relationship, at your business, if you just become aware of those. My prayer for you for this week is that you would discover something of His Spirit in those three chapters. And secondly, that you would create a desire for His Spirit to work in you because He is still the God who speaks. Amen. I want to ask you to close your eyes as we pray together. Father, we acknowledge today that we rob ourselves of Your power when we don't allow your spirit to work in and through us. Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid on the cross of Calvary, securing our salvation, securing our redemption. But thank you, thank you that you ascended to heaven at the right hand of the Father because now we have this gift of your spirit and Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our lives. We pray that this week will be a week where we develop a desire, a desire for more of you. Lord, in the gifts that you've given us, Father, I know that there are people sitting here who've neglected that gift. They functioned in that gift for a while, but they've just sort of neglected it, and there's a lot of dust on that, and It's not being used. Thank you that in this week you blow off the dust and reignite the gift. Father, thank you that you want to give your spirit to us. Father, I sense in my spirit that for the days that lay ahead of us, not just spiritually, Lord, physically, where the world economy is going, where the morality of this earth is heading, the things that we we find ourselves struggling with, challenges, we will need your spirit. We will need your spirit to strengthen, encourage, and comfort us. I pray that to be true, that we will open up our hearts and invite your spirit back in. Thank you, Jesus for your spirit that you sent in your place. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all agree and we say, amen.